Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Good morning, Jesus 911. I'm Virgin Most Powerful Radio, Ruben Nava, along with Jesse Romero. Two man car, Soul Patrol. Good to be with you guys. Good, good morning, Jesse. Ruben, I am 10 8, my friend, and I am ready to go. Ruben, you know what? There's just so much happening in the world right now that if it if it wasn't for our faith in Jesus Christ and his promises, you'd almost feel like saying, you know what, man, what's this what's this all about? You throw your hands up in the air in despair, but you know what? There is no despair because we know who wins, we know how it ends, and we know that evil is only going to be reigning for a very, very short while. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 2, that God is looking down from heaven, laughing at evil men, mm. because He knows that their time is short. Amen. Yeah, we've got a lot going on in the uh, in the world, as as we know, uh, what's going on with Russia invading Ukraine. That's uh, that's going to have some effect. They're already talking about uh, cyber attacks on us over here. The price of gas. I, I thought it was disgraceful that uh, that Joe Biden would say. Uh, you know, the the price of freedoms is costly and, uh, don't, you know, we could expect that gas could go up to $10 a gallon. But if he had not shut down this pipeline, we would be dependent on Russian <laughs> oil, you know. So it, it, it just boggles the mind that uh, a lot of these, the, the left, they don't understand, you know, to have someone like him in office is, is pathetic that we're Ru- the laughingstock. I got an old tweet from Joe Joe Biden, unelected Joe Biden. He said here about uh, a year before the presidential elections, it's a tweet. It's He says this, Vladimir Putin doesn't want me to be president. Yeah. He doesn't want me to be our nominee. Yeah. If you're wondering why, it's because I'm the only person in this field who's ever gone toe-to-toe with him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Now, February 21st, 2020. Yeah, he was basically saying, Putin doesn't want me. He's afraid of me. Really? Putin is laughing because he senses the weakest man that's ever sat behind the Oval Office in the history of the United States. Putin and all the other dictators are laughing right now, Ruben. And that's why uh, he's kicking, uh, uh, you know, he's poking the bear because yeah. he knows there's, he knows there's not a bear. He knows there's a little little chihuahua behind that suit. Yeah, you're right. Hey, Jess, uh, I just want to throw out that yesterday it was um, at the funeral of uh, one of my former um uh, well, Sergeant, he was my lieutenant. He was a, a, my captain. Uh, he died uh, as a result of uh, complications from COVID. And um, just a great man uh, that he uh, really discovered his faith at the... Uh, he, he, was, he wasn't Catholic, but he, uh, he had so much, uh, you know, virtue in him. And uh, he really discovered his faith at the last, in the last couple of years. We went Praise on a... We went on a cruise with him and his wife and 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 his uh, and some other retirees. His brother, you know, and Dwayne Harris is his name, and uh, it, it, it spoke volumes of of what um, he, what kind of man he was because of the attendance that was he he influenced so many lives and um, just a leader that you want to follow. You know, I'm sure you had a little part, Ruben, in his conversion because I know you. You're, uh, you and Paul Clay don't stop sharing your faith every chance well, you have. We did, you know. I can't take responsibility for, it, but but we did. We were on the ship. We were on the cruise, and I, I was just speaking um, openly uh, from about your heart. Faith. Yeah. So yeah. just you know, give him reasons to believe, and uh, 
So, you know, I pray that he rests in peace. What's his name again, Ruben? Dwayne Harris. Well, let, let's pray. Lead us in a prayer. Okay, let's say the uh, the Our Father Latin. Nomine Patri Filii et Spiriti Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, quies in celis, sanctificator nomen tuum, et veniat reniam tuum, fiat voluntas tuus, sicut in terra in terra. Panum nostro quotidianum, nos hodie, et dimite nobis, vita nostra, sicut nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationum, saliber nos amalo. Amen. Nomine Patri Filii. Eternal rest grants in him, O Lord, let your perpetual light shine upon him, May his soul rest in peace. Yeah. Amen. So if you think that one person can't create change, affect change, uh, you're absolutely wrong. This this man had uh, the youngest man ever uh, assigned to the SWAT team, Jesse, our, wow. our SWAT team. Yeah. Wow. So um, Lost another good man, lost, Ruben. Lost, yeah, another good man. Too yeah. soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's jump into this one uh, this one article, Ruben. This is, uh, this is impending danger for a lot of, especially young people. Uh, the article is called Dangerous by design, metaverse apps allow children to access immersive digital sex clubs. So a researcher who went undercover in the metaverse as a 13-year-old girl witnessed grooming, graphic sexual material, and threats of rape. Surprise, surprise. The researcher, the BBC reporter, used an app with a minimum age rating of 13 and visited virtual reality rooms where other users' avatars were simulating explicit acts. The researcher, whose online presence depicted that, that of a 13-year-old girl, was shown sex toys and condoms and approached by several adult men. One man told the researcher that in the metaverse, users' avatars can get naked and do unspeakable things. Other users approached the researcher while in the metaverse and discussed erotic role play. The National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty in Children, a British charity dedicated to the welfare of Great Britain's children, Warned that some of the apps in the metaverse are dangerous by design, as there is very little content moderation in the metaverse. For instance, the app used by the researcher to access the metaverse, VR Chat, allows its users to access any number of immersive chat rooms. Some of these rooms are innocuous as digital McDonald's, while others allow users to watch and participate in a pole dancing or even attend digitally immersive strip clubs. Ruben, pick it up from there. You know, Jess, you're going to have to take it. I'm, I'm having uh, technical difficulties Got it. over here, but okay. I'll comment. I'll comment. Yeah, I'm... right, right. Mr. Burroughs of the NSPCC said it's children being exposed to entirely inappropriate, really incredibly harmful experiences. This is a product that is dangerous by design because of oversight and neglect. We are seeing products rolled out without any suggestion that safety has been considered. Jess Sherwood, the researcher who went undercover, said, I was surprised how totally immersed... In the spaces you are, I started to feel like a child again. So when grown men were asking why I wasn't in school and encouraging me to engage in VR sex acts, it felt all the more disturbing. She said, VR chat definitely felt more like an adult playground than a child's. A lot of the rooms were overly sexualized in pink neon, similar to what you might see in a red light district in Amsterdam or in the more seedy parts of London's Sobo at night. Inside sex toys were on display. Catherine Allen, founder of the UK-based Augmented and Digital Reality Consulting Firm, said that while the VR can be fun and surreal, it can also be quite traumatic and disturbing. She described an an incident in a meta-owned app where she and a seven-year-old girl were surrounded by a group of men who joked about raping them. Yeah, that's real funny. That's hilarious. VR Chat said 
that it was working hard to make itself a safe and welcoming place for everyone and that predatory, toxic behavior has no place in the platform. Well, guess that that's too late, Ruben. This is going to open up the Pandora's box. And this is going to be basically people are going to be uh, following their disordered passions and they're going to be walking around immersed in a world of pornography where they're actually like transported in there by their imagination. And this is just going to exacerbate the evil that we're already dealing with right now. 100%, Jesse. And uh, I just to think that, you know, as it is now, the the, the generation that uh, that's uh, the, the young kids coming up today, they're much different than than we are than we were Jesse in our day we, you know we weren't inside we were always outside playing you know we we, we were playing sports we we're uh playing different games outside with our friends how many kids now are just locked in their bedrooms you know parents don't know what they're doing and they're there's there's no social interaction with with others and um it, it's not healthy and and what this is going to expose some of the children to is just horrific and uh and there's going to be predators uh, that are going to be waiting on the other side for just for this, as as we we saw in this in this article, very disturbing. And um, you know, I think that uh, something should there should be some uh, some kind of um, legal uh, laws that have come down that that can stop some of this, because there's no way that when you get in, there's no way to confirm how old the participant is that's coming in. So it's 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 very uh, shocking. But this is what the this is what the left wants, Jesse. They want to destroy our families and our children, and and this this is a, a good way to do that. You know what they how they want to do it, they, and they've been they started it back in the fifties with the with the starting of the Playboy, is they want to over sexualize and and pornify our culture, and uh, and, and Ruben, right now one out of three Americans has an STD. Uh, I think something like $110 billion is used every year mm. for people tr- to treat sexually transmitted diseases. We are, uh, I'm just telling you, we're, as, as Americans, uh, we are reaping a whirlwind by, why? Because we want to play by our own rules instead of following God's rules. And when you take the beauty Mm-hmm. And the holiness of the sexual intimacy, you take it out of the marital bedroom and you make and you put it into the public square and you profane it and you put it in nightclubs and in metaverses and in on the on the internet and in gentlemen's clubs. Ruben, uh if you if, if you cozy up to a fireplace when it's in a, in a cold winter, that's nice because the logs are burning inside the fireplace. You take those logs and throw them in the middle of your living room, you're gonna burn your house down. This is what we've done. We've taken the gift that God has given us called sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife, and we've taken it out of its proper context. And I'm telling you, we're paying a price for it right now, and this is just going to exacerbate it. Yeah. <clears throat> I have to think that uh, this generation is uh, is far more um, sinful than uh, than the time is during Sodom and Gomorrah. And look what happened to them, you know. It's, it's I mean, just look at the clothing that, that people are wearing, just the everyday clothing. And it's, uh, you know, our lo- our lady talked about this. You know, it will be, it'll be uh, things that are going to be offensive to our Lord. And uh, we're seeing it today. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. Stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. We are back. Jesus 911, two-man car. Jesse and Ruben, and um, we're t- we had a, a a good article that one of our uh, one of my favorite guests uh, on the show is Father Dave Nix. He is he's he is so right on, spot on with his analysis and his you know uh, exegesis of scripture. So, Ruben, guess what? See that license plate? Yep, that's my truck license plate. Really? Yeah. Father Nix was over at my house though uh, two weeks ago for the. I was wondering. The, yeah, the prayer rally, and he saw my license plate. He goes. That is so cool. He snapped the picture and he goes, I'm going to write an article. This is one of my favorite little books in the Bible. <laughs> so what you're looking at is uh, the, the article is called The Book of Jude for Today. And that's my truck license plate. It says Jude 3. There's only one chapter. So it's, it's, it's generally just, it's the, it says Jude and then the name of the verse. And so it's only one chapter. And here's what the verse says. Be, beloved. Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. That Greek word also means fight for, to con- like, a, like a lawyer fights in a court of law. To contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Ruben, let me tell you why I chose that license plate uh, when I came to Arizona. Ruben, you met me and I met you when we were both going through a conversion. I, I came through a conversion realistically through the charismatic renewal back like 30 years ago. You came through a conversion probably more through apologetics and the traditional Latin mass. Uh, I also came into conversion through apologetics, but the charismatic renewal. And as you all know, I've been, I've been one of the things about the charismatic renewal is that it, it, it gave me this love for scripture. As you all know, I've been like a Bible junkie since you've ever, you've known me. Yeah. And, and, and probably about 30 years ago, and I started immersing myself in, a, in, in Catholic biblical apologetics. I wanted to know why, what, why, where, when, how to share our faith with Protestants. And, and I would just, I would just uh, this was something that just really uh, spoke to my heart. I, I wanted to know the biblical reasons why we did things. Right. So very early on, 30 years ago, back in Southern California, you remember there was a Protestant program called the Bible Answer Man. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, Paul Clay, him and me were working together. And Paul was trying to kind of like bring me into Calvary Chapel uh, not 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 a hard sell. Just you know, just like hey, check this yeah. out, check that out. Yeah. And 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 uh, so Paul said, you got to listen to this program. This is thirty years ago. There's no Catholic radio. There's no you know relevant. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's none of that. Yeah. So I, I started listening to this program called the Bible Answer Man. Mm-hmm. And and uh, his name was Doctor Walter Martin. Rest in peace, Southern Baptist. He's passed away many years ago. He was on the way to the Catholic Church before he died, by the way, because him and Father Mitch Pacwa were having ongoing. Uh, ongoing dialogues, but and a very friendly, very friendly. Now I remember Dr. Walter Martin, the Southern Baptist apologist on the Bible Answer Man. He said, "Yes, my license plate is Jude 3. Mm. and I said, "Oh," and so you know, uh, I was a cop back then, so I was able to run plates, <laughs> and and uh, I said, "Wow, well, Jude three it goes back to Walter Martin from San Juan Capistrano, California." And so I've always liked that verse because of what it said. It's an apology. It, this is the verse that tells you to defend the faith. So the first thing that I did seven years ago when I moved to Arizona was guess what? <laughs> I, got, I, I checked in the, in, with the Department of Motor Vehicles. Uh, for, I, I, I applied for Jude 3 and nobody has it. Yeah. And so seven years ago, I've got Jude 3. This is the verse, Reuben, that gives us our marching orders and tells us that we have to defend, fight for our faith, contend for our faith. But look at the last part of that verse, which I always use when I share with Protestants. It says, 
the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So when I talk to Protestants, there's a lot of Mormons out here, a lot of you know, a lot of Protestants. I say, okay, you Mormons were started in 1835. Look at my license plate, Jude three. Let's look at let's look let's look at our Bible. Okay, the Apostle Jude, one of our Lord's twelve handpicked apostles, said that the faith was given to him once and for all back in the first century. And so if your denomination started in 1835 in Palmyra, New York, I said, you can't be the, the, the religion that Jude's talking about because Jude's talking about a faith that started in the time of the apostles. And so th- I've been using this verse for 30 years very effectively. And a lot of Protestants, it makes them scratch their head because I'm saying, look, at, you're a Baptist. You guys were started in 1685 by John Smith. You cannot be the denomination being spoken of here by the Apostle Jude. It, that, that Christian faith was started in the first century. So I've gotten a lot of miles out of this verse, room, and that's why I put it in my mm. truck. That's, that's really good. That's, that's awesome. But you've got some Protestants now that will say, well, you know, no, the Catholic Church wasn't the first church. That didn't start till you know, after, um, you know, in the, thir- in the fourth century, you know, when they made, they made uh, Christianity legal in Rome. And, you know, you hear so many uh, dishonest uh, people come in because they, they have to come up with something. Because yes. yeah, because you if you know that Jesus started this 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 religion, then uh, then you and you're not part of it. There's something wrong, you know. So they have to come up with a with a reason why they they're okay being where they're at. So uh, let's uh, can let, go I, ahead. Go ahead. What father in, father uh, Nick says in here? Go ahead. Yeah, he says this is the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So in in the 1920s, Catholicism looked like medieval Catholicism. Then what do you think very early Catholicism looked like? The answer is that apostolic Christianity looked like patristic Catholicism, which looked just like medieval Catholicism. This is why I keep saying that traditional Catholicism is apostolic Catholicism. So to contend for traditional uh, Catholicism is to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Notice those words, once for all, mean means that, that, that the deposit of faith ended at the death of the last apostle. It is therefore an error to say the council fathers of the 60s, 1960s discovered something about early Christianity that the desert fathers did not know. This would be nothing short of Gnosticism. That's the heresy that a small group of special men has found a truth outside public revelation. The words in Scripture above, once for all, mean the deposit of faith cannot be changed by someone who hijacks the chair of Peter, hmm. possibly twice in the past 70 years. Nor can early Christianity be considered secret knowledge, and that's in quotes, secret knowledge that modern council fathers figured out, but medievals did not. Rather, unlike the modernist Gnostics, we traditional early Christianity, or we traditional Catholics, know that divine revelation went publicly from Christ to the apostles, to the holy fathers and popes of infallible councils. Hence, Early Christianity felt very much like medieval Catholicism, which felt very much like Catholicism at least up to the 1950s. Anything outside of that is arrogant Gnosticism that will not get your family to heaven. Well said, Father Dave. Yeah, he he's, uh, he he spent uh, four days with me a week and a half ago. What a joy! What a what to have a priest like him. Uh, celebrating the Latin Mass in your living room for four days in a row. Can you imagine that? Oh my goodness! What a blessing! <laughs> what a what a blessing! Yeah, uh, it, it, Ruben. And here's the way I would explain it to Protestants. Look at 
the faith that was given once and for all to the saints. The, the term Catholic was used for the very first time in 107 AD by St. Ignatius of, uh, of Antioch. He was the third bishop of Antioch. He was uh, ordained by Peter and John the Apostle. Now, his, his, St. Ignatius, in 107, he wrote a letter as he's on his way to being uh, killed in Rome, mm-hmm. being persecuted to the Smyrnian church. And he said that the, wherever the bishop is, there is a Catholic church, and wherever the Catholic church, there is Jesus Christ. So the Catholic Church, for the, that, that, that term was used for the first time as a nomenclature, as an identifier for the Church of Jesus Christ and the Apostles in 107 AD. Now, some people will say, well, uh, it was probably invented at that moment out of whole cloth. No, it wasn't, because as, as you read uh, St. Ignatius' writings, he's writing the word Catholic as kind of as a matter of fact, like everybody knows about it. And it would be just like every single one of us. When mom and dad had us, okay, or when we had children, uh, you know, there was an egg sperm fusion. Then, the, 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 then, then, then there's a development. There's an there's an, a, a utero, an embryo, uh, a fetus. Then nine months after, mom gives birth, and you have a baby. But even though nine months and one day after, when the baby's out of the womb, yeah, it, it still went through this organic development from the moment of conception. Right. That's the same with the Catholic Church. Yeah. The Catholic Church was given the name in 107 A.D. as a church that was started by Jesus Christ, Catholic. But before that, it was already alive in the apostles. It was conceived at Pentecost, and it went through this organic gestation just like a baby, but it didn't have a name. Just like you don't name a baby when, you're, when your wife's pregnant. You don't give it a name. You guys right. are talking about a name. You guys are just, you know, just kind of loving the baby. You don't give it a name until it comes out of the womb. That's what happened with the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church was already alive with the 12 apostles in utero, that was a Catholic church. The church. That's why we say one holy Catholic and apostolic. But at a given point in time when the church was born, the church was given a name. But it was always the Catholic church in utero as it was going through that gestation, page, gestation stage from the apostles uh, all the way to the death of the last apostle and into the next wave of disciples like St. Ignatius of Antioch. Right, Jess. Well, that, that analogy you gave about a mother and the, and the baby, it, it, the, the DNA is there from the, the conception, from the beginning. So just like yes, the church. Yes, that's what, yeah. Yeah, the bingo. DNA is there. So it's yeah. the same church. And and that's why I could tell uh, my non-Catholic friends that it doesn't, because they, they they come at, us because of what what the pope is saying and and some of the things you know i i said look i don't even agree with what he's saying right now so just know that the church doesn't depend on what a priest a bishop a cardinal god forbid even the pope says it's what the church has always said right you you judge the church by the 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 faith that was passed on once for all it cannot change he can't change the pope cannot change and by the way that's how i judge everybody any bishop or cardinal or the holy father when they speak you know what i always look at I look at the perennial teachings of the church, and if they say abortion is murder, I said, cool. He just spoke and gave us what the perennial teachings of the church say. Now, when he, when he says something like, we've got to follow the United Nations, I say, okay, has that, ever been, has that ever been taught by the magisterium? No. So you can discard that because that's called a prudential judgment. So we have to, as Catholics, we have to know when... A pope, bishop, or priest is speaking about doctrine, dogma, or liturgy that's consistent with the perennial teachings of the church. You listen. When they give opinions about you've got to get the jab or you've got to wear a mask to come into my mass, Mm -hmm. that's a prudential decision on their part. They're not experts on medicine or science. You can disregard it. 
of course, be respectful. You know, don't don't go around in anger and dropping f bombs. But you can disregard it because when it comes to prudential decisions, you as a Catholic have to follow your well-formed moral conscience based on the perennial teachings of the Church. Yeah, Amen. Pretty simple. Pretty simple, and um, pretty simple. Yeah. So another thing that uh, Father Dave talks about here is uh, he says that you know certain people have crept. Uh, Certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he goes on to talk about how Dr. So, Taylor Marshall— so he, But he's, he's quoting the Bible there, Reuben. That's Jude 4, right. Yeah, which tells us since the very beginning we've been warned about infiltrators in every century. So when people say, oh, no, the sky's falling, look at what this bishop saying, this priest— it's been happening since the time of the apostles. Look at what Reuben just read. Yeah. Jude just warned us that there will always be carnal men that are going to creep into the church, ungodly people. Mm. And so don't be afraid. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Pray your rosary every day. Clutch those beads for the battle. And study your faith so you know the perennial teaching of the church so you're not confused. Right. Yep, even if an angel come from heaven comes down and teaches, preaches a different gospel, let him be anathema, says St. Paul. Hey, up next, we got uh, Kennedy Hall, Ruben. Kennedy Hall's up next. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. Iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Uh, Jesse, we have a, a guest with us today, so go ahead and introduce him. Kennedy Hall, welcome to Jesus 911. Uh, this is Jess and Ruben. Kennedy just wrote a book a while back ago. It's yeah. called Terror of Demons, Recre Reclaiming Traditional Catholic Masculinity. Effeminacy seems to be a plague and it must be eradicated. Families are being destroyed and souls are being cast into hell because of soft and effeminate men. In Terror of Demons, Kennedy Hall provides the cure, traditional Catholic masculinity, drawing on centuries of Catholic wisdom from Scripture and the saints. Kennedy Hall provides the tools for the reader to conquer effeminacy, to be a man of God. This book is not for the weak-hearted, but will strike every man with, it, with the sharpness of iron. He who has ears to hear will receive strength therein. Uh, the world is in desperate need of such men. Let the, let the men of God arise. St. Joseph of Terror of Demons, pray for us. Kennedy Hall is an author, broadcaster, and teacher. He's published both fiction and nonfiction. He speaks on a variety of topics, including the Catholic faith, masculinity, and conservative political matters. He's a rugby fanatic and lives with his wife and four children in Ontario, Canada. Kennedy, welcome to the, G the Jesus 911 show. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Uh, it's been a, about 18 months since I was here. It's nice to be back. Yeah, welcome, Kennedy. Good to see you again. And uh, you're, you're our kind of guy, man. That's just all those things that Jesse spoke about. Um, just a real man. So... It's great to have you with us. Hey, what's going up and what's happening in Canada? Uh, did uh, you, did Trudeau pull pull away the mandates and and is is everything free now? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> Give us an update. Uh, so the provinces are pretty much free. Um, okay. Trudeau still hasn't lifted the mandate for the truckers, but he revoked the Emergencies Act yesterday. Um, little inside baseball Canadian politics. It's a uh, parliamentary system, so it's multi-party. There's a different type of house, different type of senate, that sort of thing. We have these things called snap elections. So uh, if there's a no confidence vote and there's not a majority government, you can actually have an election within that four year span. Oh, wow, that's great. 
I think we're going to have one within 60 days um, because uh, they they revoked the Emergencies Act built into the legislation. You have to have a review after 60 days and it has to be nonpartisan with all the parties and the Senate and Supreme Court judges and all this. It's because it's most never supposed to happen. The only way you avoid the review is if you don't if you dissolve the parliament. <laughs> uh, I think Trudeau is going to resign, um, not because he's a good man, but because uh, he will lose in a landslide. There's a there's a major sort of Canadian mega sort of populist thing going on right now. And uh, I think he knows his goose is cooked. So I think he's going to dissolve, resign and say, I'm going to go work for the World Economic Forum now or something like that and and uh, be something else. Jeez. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That yeah. is good news. I mean, I heard about yeah. it yesterday and I said, OK, we're going to have Kennedy on tomorrow. So I'll just ask him. You know what? I'm going to tell you, Canadians are usually apolitical, kind of laid back people. But boy, oh, boy, uh, the, uh, what he did is uh, he poked the bear. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I mean, you guys rose up as a nation uh, like very few nations I've ever seen in modern times. And my hat's off to you, especially. Uh, and you know what? Especially that uh, I'm going to have to give props to our Protestant brothers that uh, Protestant pastor Archer Pulowski. Yeah. God, God bless this man. Talk about a fellow traveler. Talk about somebody tracking in the right direction. I mean, this guy's put his... His whole life on the line. He's been in jail five times over standing up against his tyranny. And so I just have to say, Kennedy, a lot of our Protestant brothers, they really stepped up to the plate where a lot of the Canadian bishops seem to be aligned with Trudeau. Am I right? Am I onto something? Yeah. Uh, actually, I wrote an article yesterday at LifeSite. Um, the Bishop of Gatineau, which is the sister city for Ottawa. It's on the other side of the Quebec River. And... Um, he called out he called out Vigano in a tweet. He basically said Vigano has no idea what he's talking about about uh, what's happening here on the ground. Uh, wow. Basically saying there's no problems and and everything's hunky dory and and anyway it's just silly. It's what are you doing? I mean it's not like it's one thing to remain silent and say I'm not going to get into politics. It's another thing to start calling out another bishop and saying he's wrong about what everyone knows to be true. Mm. And you, know, you they've uh, those truckers have inspired the truckers here. So there's a convoy going from California to to Washington D.C. So. Um, we'll see that's what wonderful. happens with that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. then might be know. overshadowed by all this Ukraine stuff though, because that's sort of, uh, yeah. that's a whole other mess. My yeah. goodness. And you know, it gives more reason for Biden to raise our gas prices here. We're already paying over $5 a gallon here in California. So we are at $1.57 a liter. So, uh, whatever that is, it's a four liters per gallon. So it's a little bit higher than that, but similar. Yeah. yeah. yeah we never, we never, never learned the metric system. Here. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> Hey Kennedy, there, you had a you guys have a pretty outspoken priest out there. I don't know if you know him. His name's Father Hannon, I believe, but he's been speaking for the patriots and conservatives and the people of faith out there against Trudeau. Uh, I think that's about the only priest that I was able to come up with doing some research. His name's Father Hannon, H A N N O N. I think I read it in one of the articles of LifeSite News. He's very outspoken in favor of uh, obviously the truckers. So uh, yeah, uh, there's there's a few. Also, Father. Uh, What's his name? Gorman? Gornan? Father Gorin. Yeah, Mark Gorin. Yeah, yeah. Gorin. He's yeah. another one that's uh, been also very outspoken. So, you know, they're, they're, they're in a they're, tough spot, these priests. Up yeah, here. they are. Um, they are. You know, the Canadian Catholic landscape is very, very different. Um, it's it's just a totally different culture. So politics has never really been a, a huge part of the Canadian DNA. So it's not really part of the Catholic DNA as far as activism goes. But now we're sort of having to realize that it's kind of all or nothing at this point. Amen. Hey, uh, you wrote this. The title of your books is one of the best titles I've ever seen. Terror of Demons, Re- Reclaiming Traditional Catholic Masculinity. Mm-hmm. Okay, why did you pick that title specifically? Such a cool title. The cover's beautiful. 
Why did you pick that title? Sure. Well, it's the coolest name ever. But um, yeah, it is. If, if I was a <laughs> professional wrestler, I think I'd want that to be my name. But um, <laughs> uh, I was actually I wrote the book without a title. I had like a working title. It was nothing. It was just sort of you know masculinity book or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I didn't actually think of jo Saint Joseph at the front of my mind when I wrote it. But then I went on a retreat just after I'd finished writing it. And there was a beautiful image of St. Joseph and the Holy Family, a very, uh, like an original painting. He was very virile, very young, very strong. It was a really good image. And um, I just prayed to God about what to do with the painting. And, and I'm such an idiot, guys. My whole life, I never realized my middle name is Joseph. Um, <laughs> it's my nono's name, God rest his soul. He was Giuseppe, so it's Joseph in English. Mm. Um, I just thought it was that, and I didn't realize, oh, that's like my baptismal name, and I'm born on the Vigil of St. Joseph uh, in, at 5 p.m. on March 18th, and I always assumed that I was born on the hangover day of St. Patty's Day, but I actually <laughs> realized that I'm actually born, born on the vigil of an actual amazing feast in the church, a triumphant yeah. feast, and it was just kind of my whole life, I said, oh, this has always been just gearing towards this moment, and I realized St. Joseph was there the whole time, so I just had to dedicate the book to him, and then I wrote the appendix series of articles at the Fatima Center when I was working there, um, just uh, devotional things. So it just sort of all came together. Awesome. Ruben? Yeah, I just, uh, just had some questions about, uh, sure. about the book, uh, Kennedy. Um, so why do you think it's important to focus on reclaiming traditional Catholic masculinity as opposed to, to virtue in general? Sure. Um, well, I would, well, for two things. One, the word tradition. It's not a book for just quote unquote traditional Catholics. I am, I, I, I would call myself that, but it's about the traditional piety and practices we've always had. That's why I say traditional. Tradition means to pass something on for safekeeping. So it's the stuff that we've been, we've received and we've forgotten. That's why I want to recapture it. Um, as far as virtue, I don't think you can separate virtue from masculinity because the word virtue actually comes from the word for vir, which is literally the word for man. Okay, so in Latin, vir, vir means man. Uh, this is where we get the word strength, literally is manliness. Virtu is strength. And um, so when you say man, if someone's being virtuous, it actually technically means they're being manly. Um, so this is why in old English literature, you'll see things like, you know, so-and-so acted manfully in that thing. And you could be talking about a child, you'd be talking about a woman. It's not saying that they were male, but it's saying that what they did was virtuous, i.e. manly. And this has been understood um, up until the advent of political correctness. Um, so, you know, the archetype of what masculinity is, is virtue and the archetype of virtue is masculinity. So you can't separate them so that they have to be together. Very well. Very good. Well said. Yeah. Kennedy, you know, it reminds me in the old Testament, there's a scene where King David is dying in, uh, I forget, I think it's in the book of Samuel mm -hmm. and, and Solomon, his son is next to him as his father's dying. And David says to Solomon, father to son, he says, uh, he says, be a man. Mm. I mean, th those are his last words as he's dying to Solomon, his son. He says, be a man. And, and, and again, it, it's, it's exactly what you just said right now. I mean, the last words of a dying king to a son who's going to take over his throne, he doesn't say, you know, go out and, uh, you know, break the push-up record or go out and run a marathon or go, go out and, uh, you know, uh, be the best golfer in Israel. He says, be a man. In other words, in other words, live a life of virtue. That's, that's what I hear him saying now that you break down that term the way you broke it down. But here's another question. Some people say that your book is probably a bit hardcore. Uh, what do you say to that allegation? It is hardcore. They're right. Um, so uh, so they're true. It's, it's right. I mean, it's you know, guilty, guilty, right? Yeah, I'm very happy about that. People will say it's a little bit too intense. You're the right. It's very intense. Um, 
Listen, it's this is not a time to play around with kid gloves. I mean, how, the average man is addicted to pornography. The average man, uh, and I'm, I'm including myself as an average man. I was raised without all these things or these virtues that I should have known, and I've learned them since I've taken the faith seriously and, and I've through a lot of hard work and a lot of failure. And so it's not a time to just play around. I mean, look, the reason we had lockdowns is because of we had unvirtuous men. The reason why a guy like Anthony Fauci can tell you what to do is because everybody's soft. You don't, you don't listen to these petty little stupid tyrants if you've got a backbone. We don't have a backbone as a civilization. There are men that do, but they're beaten down, uh, they're castigated, they're told they're toxic and so forth, and it's all rubbish. The left, the modernists, the heretics, whatever you want to call them, they don't. They do things very intense. They'll cancel you. They'll dox you. Yeah. They'll they'll get you fired from your job. So uh, there's no more. You know, I, I love. There's a lot of really good Catholic uh, speakers and stuff, and they really try to be sort of you know approachable and these sorts of things. And there's a place for that. Not everyone is going to react to every approach, but we've had 50 years of the new springtime, and we've had 50 years of dialogue and friendship, and it's not working. At this point, it's time for a boot camp. It's time for us to get into shape. And you're never going to have a successful boot camp unless the drill instructor is screaming his face off at you. And, and you might want to punch him, to be honest. But you'll probably do more push-ups and you'll probably work harder because he's motivating you. If, so I've had people read my book and they've said to me, you know, I was really angry at you for the first half of the book. And I realized I was angry at my own sins and you were just calling them out. That's not me. This is just me writing things that saints have said. And I just put it in a resource for people. But that's good. If you want, if people shake their fist at me and hate me and stuff, but then go and get off pornography and start praying the rosary, you can hate me all day long. I'll take it as a badge of honor. Nice. Jesus nine one one. We'll be right back with our guest Kennedy Hall on the other side of the break. Don't change that dial. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Um, Kennedy, what you were talking about there, uh, about, uh, you know, people said they might hate you in the, in the beginning of this book, but that you, what you described was the academy. Jesse and I, both uh, L.A. County deputy sheriffs, retired, been uh and that's just that's what we went through during the academy. Guys in our face, yelling at us, the DIs, the drill instructors, and uh, just uh, really disliking them at first. But at the end, you were like they you just revered them for what they put you through because you became you came out of there a man. You know, came out of there uh, a deputy sheriff, and uh, and that's that's we want people we want people that are going to be real men and not uh, effeminate men to in our profession our our former pr profession so uh, i think this book is is you're right on to onto something here um you you say you, by the way let me just mention ruben yeah. uh anybody who wants to get the book get it through 10books.com 10books.com uh don't go to amazon give 10 your business 10books.com the book's yeah. called terror of demons amen kennedy hall yeah go ahead ruben. yeah so you emphasize the crusades in your book and why is that oh well, they're awesome uh, <laughs> yeah because exactly. um well, that's, that's the crusading spirit, you know. That's what I'm trying to em emphasize. Uh, you know, modern warfare is very different. It would be very hard to have a, a just war in today's world with all the weaponry and the civilian deaths and all that sort of stuff, and that's terrible. We want to avoid that. But, but the impetus behind... You know, it's funny. The crusades have everything that is sort of 
what is laudable about the American Revolution, except it's for the church. You know, if you think about what the Crusades were, they, in a sense, they were militias. You know, it wasn't like they're this standing army paid for by income tax is a completely modern thing. These were men who had farms and estates and mm -hmm. and were serfs or whatever. They were in the feudal system, and they just decided that I'm going to give up everything and I'm going to walk halfway across the continent, and uh, and I'm going to go probably die because God's land is uh, being perverted by people who you know hate the church, and um, the the fact that there was a pope and Pope Urban II, the fact that he could get up, make a speech, and rally uh, an entire continent to battle on their own accord. I mean, it's just unbelievable. The type of men that had to have been alive at that time. Right, right. Were, there are so many saints that we will never know their names until, God willing, we share in the beatific vision. There are so many martyrs where they were swinging their swords and lost their heads, literally, just to protect the Holy Land and protect people who wanted to go to the Holy Land and venerate Christ's tomb and so on and so forth. It is, if we can recapture even just a fraction of the crusading spirit, we'll be twice the men we are today. Yeah, talk about uh, a volunteer army, right? Candidate, mm -hmm. <laughs> and a lot of those, people don't realize that there are a lot of those uh, people that fought in the Crusades, a lot of them are canonized saints, as I, like St. Yep. Lawrence Brindisi, St. Juan, John Juan Capistrano, as I look into a lot of these saints, it says, oh, he participated in the Fourth Crusade, uh, you know, with, with a sword and, and uh, uh, against the Turks over here in this part. A, a lot of uh, St. Ferdinand, another one, just thinking about these names that come up as, as you read about these saints. Oh, yeah, P.S., by the way, St. Ferdinand was also involved in the Crusades as a young man, as a soldier. Uh, it was because people understood the importance of what we've forgotten is that the church is our mother, Mater Ecclesia. And if the church is your mother, as you well know, in any, in, in, in any culture, in any nationality, if you talk about a man's mother, boy, oh boy, the gloves are off. I don't care if you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, uh, you know, green, yellow, blue. Nobody talks about a man's mother in his presence. I mean, guy, you talk about a guy's, you know, brother, sister, dad, maybe sometimes wife or kids. Sometimes a guy will just, you know, turn his other, the other cheek. But if you talk about somebody's mother, it's on. And this is what the Crusaders understood for 800 years, is that this was a war against our mother, Holy Mother Church. Uh, so I just want to throw that, uh, you know, throw that historical point into it. Also, uh, Kennedy, your book culminates with information and stories about the Blessed Mother and the Rosary. Why is that? Well, because she's, you know, she's ultimately our, our only hope. Um, obviously, Christ is our is 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 the second person, of Holy Trinity. But what I mean is, um, there's a reason why um, when he was hanging on the cross, he gave us his mother, uh, because this life is somewhat of a passion. This life is somewhat of a crucifixion, mm -hmm. and um, God Himself ordained it so that He needed, through His own free will, to have His mother there as He did what He had to do for us. So we should not expect to be able to do otherwise. Uh, we have to have our mother with us at all times. Um, so, you know, if you look at the history of major heresies in the church, for example, they've almost always surrounded something that actually ha that actually boils down to Mariology. You can't really even get at Christology without attacking Mary because it's about his human nature and she's human, that sort of thing. And um, we think about the Albigensian heresy uh, in the Middle Ages. Um, it was it was so. It was so rough. I mean, can you imagine heresy being so rough that you had to have a crusade within Europe? 
uh, you know, because it was so bad. We think, I mean, modernism is bad, but there was a, a militancy to the Albigensians and the Cathars, and that's where Our Lady shows up for St. Dominic, and we hear about ca cathedrals shaking and, like, lightning from the sky and all these kinds of things, and Our Lady literally crushes the heresies because she crushes the head of the serpent. Um, in addition, you know, uh, right, we're living through a time right now with Russia and Ukraine, and I'm not an expert on the situation. I really don't know enough to speak about the ins and outs, but I do know that we were told that a consecration to Ru uh, Russia happened and there'd be peace. And I tweeted earlier today and I said, it doesn't look like this consecration is working, you know, tongue in cheek. But, you know, we haven't obeyed our mother's command since 1917 all the way through, even if it's been partial. And we're reaping the, the we're, we're reaping what we sow because of it. So Mary is, is, uh, Mary is the key. Mm -hmm. Mary is, is, uh, is the key to the equation. And um, in our lives, if we want to be somewhat of a crusader, then we have to sing hymns to Mary and we have to um, pray the rosary and we have to have a devotion to her like they would have. I was just thinking the same thing, Kennedy, about the consecration when you were talking about Our Lady because I would love nothing more. I think we all would agree that if, if Pope Francis would, um, it would blow our minds if he could uh, consecrate Russia with all the bishops of the world and um, and, and we'll see what, where that goes. And I, I believe Our Lady, you know, she says it's going to happen, there will be peace in the world and and... Like you said, we haven't seen peace. We have Russia hasn't been converted, uh, mm -hmm. and some people say, "Well, you know, Putin's going to he's 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 involved the church. He goes to his, you know, his Orthodox church and whatnot." But it's still not Catholic, so um, you know, let's let's. And the Orthodox okay. Church, you know, and I, I got some. I call my Ortho Bros. I got a couple of Orthodox yeah, buddies. They're they're, yeah. they're 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 devout, wonderful guys. They actually pray the Rosary. It's kind of strange, <laughs> but um, but uh, they'll tell you. I mean. The Russian Orthodox Church, I wrote an article for LifeSite a couple months back where he called out Biden, the patriarch of Moscow or something. Oh, that's right. He did, yeah. Nice. But in the Good same order. interview on Russian television, he was telling everyone to get vaccinated. You oh, know, so no. there are problems. There are problems in the Orthodox Church. The Green Movement is there. Um, you know, Judas was there at the in the in the initial bishop, uh, episcopacy, so he's everywhere right now. Yeah. Hey, we're talking to Kennedy Hall, uh, author of Terror of Demons, Reclaiming Traditional Catholic Masculinity. Get this book uh, for your husband. Get, get a couple of copies for your sons, uh, for your brother-in-law, for your dad. You can get it through 10books.com, 10books.com. Don't get it through Amazon. Give uh, Catholics the business. 10books.com. Uh, Kennedy Hall, we've got him on here. Uh, Kennedy, who should read your book and why? Hmm. I mean, you know what? I've had uh, primarily men, but I've had many wives, actually. I was on a couple radio shows this week, one Carolina Catholic with a, a, a woman named Judy Paparazzi. And um, I was on uh, Relevant Radio a couple nights ago with a woman named Brooke Taylor. And um, they both talked to me about how, as wives, reading it was so important to them. Hmm. Uh, even though Judy was in her 60s, I think, but she just said, you know... Um, we don't understand men anymore. We just don't. We just don't understand what, I mean, we've been told men is bad and all these sorts of things. We don't know what they are. So even wives, they don't know how to expect the right things of their husband, which means they don't really even know how to support them because they don't know what a man is supposed to be because who does, you know, I mean, unless you're, unless you've really taken it on upon yourself to learn. So for sure, men should read this book, but uh, I have had, uh, my wife gets messages all the time from women she's met on Instagram and things like that, and, you know, everywhere over the United States. And they'll say, I bought this book. And I read it with my husband, and we sort of go back to it, and we look up chapters here and there when we're having a hard time about our marriage or about what's going on, and it always comes down to fixing this primary role of, of husband in the household. And also, 
it is there is some you know mature subject matter right it's not like obviously it's a catholic book it's not like there's swearing or anything like that but it's it deals with serious sin in some parts of it so um i i think that older teenagers if, if parents are comfortable with it and vet it i've had people say they've had their 16 year old boys read it and it was really important for them especially before going off to college and sort of being in that that Sodom and Gomorrah situation, having this as their as their manual is really important. So everybody can read it. Well, you've done a great favor to the Catholic Church, Kennedy. You just uh, you've added your book to several other good books that I can see out there. You know, Deacon yeah. Burke, uh, Custos, uh, Consecration of Saint Joseph, Father Calloway's book. Uh, early on, years ago, I was reading a lot of stuff from Steve Wood. He wrote a lot of good stuff for Catholic men. So you just added uh, your book to the list of great Catholic authors out there helping Catholic men because the devil knows that this is exactly who he has to go after. Our Lady of Fatima, uh, one of the visionaries, told us that the final battle that Satan will have upon the human race is against marriage and family. And that's exactly who he's going after. He's going after men. If he can take out the Catholic men, he's got the entire family. So kudos to you. My hat's off to you. Uh, for those of you listening to the show, get the book. I'm holding it up right here. It's called Terror of Demons. Terror of Demons from 10 Books. Uh, it's written by Kennedy Hall. And by the way, uh, on the back, uh, Mike Church is endorsing your book. Uh, Father Charles Murr, who's on our pro, he's, uh, he's on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. He's on all the time. There's another guy here that's endorsing your book. It's called named Jesse Romero, author of Devil <laughs> in the City of Angels. Don't know who that guy is, but uh, yeah, you got some yeah, pretty good endorsements that. That there. Was really, that, was, uh, that was really special. I'm hoping, I'm hoping the borders... I only live an hour from the United States, you know, in southwestern Ontario. I'm hoping the borders will open up again soon for the unclean. Because um, <laughs> I've been asked about all these men's conferences and things, and people see it and they see Jesse Romero. Like, oh, you know that guy. You know, he must be an okay guy. So I'm hoping one guy can make it down there for some stuff, but we'll see. We'd love Ruben, to have any, you. Any, any yeah. comments, Ruben? Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a, 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 you're like a voice cried out in the wilderness. You know, we got uh, a lot of men that need this. Uh, need to have uh, to learn virtue and and what it means to be a man and uh, so it's it comes at a great time of Kennedy so thank you very much for putting that. Well, together. thank you guys because I listen to Jesus nine one one a ton. Um, I'm so busy now I can barely listen to anything. But when I was still teaching on my break and stuff, I would listen to you guys talk wow. all the time. And uh, there were some episodes where I'd be laughing out loud. My students were like, "What are you laughing?" I'm like, "I don't worry about it." <laughs> But you guys are doing a similar thing, and it's just, there just needs to be, we need to give men, uh, everyone's flocking to Joe Rogan and all these places, and that's, I mean, some of it's okay, but a lot of it's nonsense. They want to hear men talking shop and, and talking about things that are important to them, and then we all play a role there. That's right. Thanks, Kennedy. God bless you. Keep the faith. Thank we'll talk guys. to you soon. Yeah, thank you. See you later. All Jesus right. 911. That, that's a wrap. We're EOW, end of Watch 10-7. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. Uh, stick around. Good stuff. EOW, we are out. <laughs>